Hello and welcome back, everyone. We are back with another episode of The Future of Photography. I'm Chris Marquardt, and with me is the whole gang again. Adrian, how are you doing? Hey. Jeremiah, how are you? I'm good, Sunny. So, sunny California. And sunny California. Imar, how's Ireland doing? I'm good. It's good. It's good. Cold and damp. <laughs> Cold and damp, as okay. usual. <laughs> yeah. Cold and damp, huh. as usual. All right, so um, today we want to take a quick look at a couple of news stories that uh, I came across and um, that I found interesting uh, from a from a photography point of view and uh, from a future of photography point of view. Um, one is the first one is from the Guardian, the newspaper, or is it? It's not just a newspaper now; it's a news organization, right? I mean, uh, Adrian, you would know best. You are from the same country the guardian is from uh, i i am i am uh yeah uh, i mean it's it, it's been for for decades a a what one of the the top flight of british newspapers but in the last 10 years they've really uh, of all the british newspapers they've really grabbed the high ground for digital content certainly mm -hmm. so the the guardian um okay the reason i came across this story is um because of another podcast that i do together with uh, henry paul and uh, that is called curiously polar which has nothing to do with photography but it is about uh, the arctic and the antarctic and it has had an interesting development over the last year towards more geopolitical things and uh, of course as the arctic is now as we all know it's it's kind of melting and uh, it's melting way faster than the rest of the planet the temperature changes um, that our climate does right now have a much more impact up there than they, than it has here so the arctic is it's kind of a barometer for uh, the development of our of our climate and Henry and I talked about uh, this story that I want to talk about here, and uh, it has to do with a change um, that The Guardian is implementing and other publications are also implementing. And uh, they, they, they are implementing two things. First of all, they um, have started to change the language they use away from uh, climate change, more towards climate crisis, more drastic language that... Uh, depicts this a bit better and they've also changed their photography and they did a, a public pledge to uh to change their photography because what is in your minds when you think climate change and photography what kind of photos do you guys uh think of burkinski oh, somebody had to say that first didn't they <laughs> burkinski yeah okay burkinski so I'll, I'll, I, if you've taken the fine art ground, then I'll go. I'll, I'll go with the press. I'll go with the press side of it. I mean, you're, you're talking about images of uh, of of uh, you know rivers filled with plastic in the Philippines, or you're talking about children in India climbing over landfill to make a living. You know those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Often, often what you see is animals and how they are. Um, how they suffer, like polar bears, for example. Biggest example in the late last, I'd say, six months is uh, the starving polar bear. Yes, because 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 yeah. it can't find enough uh, enough food anymore because of how the climate is changing, um, which is definitely something that that is true. S stuff is happening up there, and uh, if you've ever been up there uh, for more than just once, 
you will notice how fast things are changing. But what the Guardian now is doing is um, they uh, have, have almost completely changed to people and how it impacts people as opposed to animals or uh, landscapes or nature in general. Um, but they're now showing villagers who uh, run away from a wildfire. Um, I'm pretty sure, Jeremiah, you can relate to the whole fire stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have several of my closest friends. A, last year, uh, lost their home in the big paradise fire and escaped just with the clothes on their back. And this year, so, several of my friends, they didn't lose their homes, but they came very, very close uh, on the Getty fire of having to spend uh, days and days um, in a rooftop hotel just drinking themselves silly <laughs> while they were waiting to get back into their houses. I, I'm not joking about it, but it was uh, very frightening. Um, I, I wonder about that choice oddly. Um, often uh, we tend to emotionally relate um, to animals in a stronger way than we relate to fellow humans. Uh, it's a very interesting. Yes, I, th I think that seeing a starving puppy, um, you know, uh, in the middle of the street uh, has a greater effect to people than a mass of people, say, demonstrating about climate change. Yeah, so I, it just, you know, depends. Imer? Yeah. I, I don't know. I find, I always find those um, pictures of the, you know, from China with the people wearing the medical masks. I always find that really um, a little frightening just to think that people have to, go around and you know and even if, if some i guess chinese people when they travel they take that with them or they 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 feel like or do we just not notice that the pollution that's around us that um you know if you're in dublin and you see a chinese person and they're wearing the mask is it because they're more sensitive to it and we just we're dumb and we don't notice it is interesting enough find, yeah. interesting enough that is that is not always just a pollution thing that's also a very cultural thing so a okay. lot of people from different Asian countries wear these masks to a protect themselves from uh, from being getting sick when you're out with other people yeah. from getting sneezed okay. at, but also to protect others when they might have a cold or something to hand on. So that okay, so that is fairly yeah. normal. But then, in addition to that, of course, there is pollution and uh, the picture. I think that you're referring to is one in the Guardian of a yeah. man with his child, and they both have masks, yeah. and the smog is in the background. In Shanghai. That's an incredible level of pollution, isn't it, really? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yeah. This week in Delhi, it was so bad that uh, it was worse than Beijing, worse than anywhere in the world, the pollution. Right. Incredible. So, but do we need any more than that to tell us, you know? Do, you know, is that not, you know... Uh, I don't know, but I, th I think I think it's at least worth uh, worth mentioning that uh, they they have implemented that change, and I I would almost bet that they haven't just done this out of a whim, but based on maybe at least some level of research. What no, it's, clicks it's very better responsible, with isn't it? Like it's it's a very responsible way to handle it. You know, really, when you think about it, it's because 
I would associate with there's one there of um, all these people enjoying the beach, you know, in, in a heat wave. Um, so oftentimes it, in terms of, I suppose, Irish media anyway, that's the kind of picture you would get when there's a, you know, a real spike in temperatures. It's all Which is unusual people out enjoying the sunshine. And yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, even in the, a couple of years ago, that really hot summer. Um, that did an incredible amount of damage, you know. Um, and even I remember flying back from somewhere and flying down over the country and everything was brown, which is like... Which is I, very I, we, unusual. We, we actually commented to each other um, about if you were visiting Ireland now and you expected to see green fields, you'd be sorely disappointed. Everything was burnt. It was... <clears throat> It's terrible, actually. And I really then at that point kind of went, oh, you know, this is real. And and I would I so. would venture to say if someone from California come, came at that time and saw Ireland, they would still think it was yeah. much, much greener it's than, than green. you think. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I think know. it's always a it very relative very thing. Hard. Yeah, but I it's, don't know, you know, it would have been very hard to make green from this <laughs> colour that I was looking out the window at. It definitely was not anywhere near I have green. to say that I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah, no. against... I'm very against uh, the the notion that the editorial board would limit or eliminate uh, certain kinds of imagery on an editorial way, even though they're probably completely in agreement of the crisis that affects all of us and is growing. Uh, I think all manner of of um, motivation is is critical in bringing the world to a deeper understanding of the crisis. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, or may, may even be last week, when there was there was a, the fires here in Los Angeles, one of the most striking uh, images or film that that we had seen on the news were uh, horses running down the freeway that that uh, people were trying to. They were fleeing the fire. It was just so desperate and people trying to kind of herd them or capture them. You know, they were in a, um, you know, a facility and they just had to open the gates and let these horses run because the fire was coming in. That was as arresting an image as any um, image of a suburb kind of decimated by the flames. All manner of, of images that bring that crisis to bear um, have an effect. And, and some people are affected by horses and puppies, others by the plight of masked individuals in pollution, others by devastated landscapes. I think all of them um, collectively uh, need to be editorialized and should be and uh, not at the expense of one over the other. Now, I was wondering, um, you living in California and with the almost regular recurrence of these fires, is there also a dulling effect that over time you've seen the fire footage for the hundredth time? Um, no, did you notice it not affecting you that much anymore? Uh, no, no, not at all. It's very, it's quite the opposite. Uh, there isn't a person that I know, uh, on any kind of, uh, any um, axis of the political reality, though we are, of course, a very progressive state, um, uh, generally speaking, uh, it doesn't matter if you're from a more conservative or a more Republican area of 
you know, almond farms in the Central Valley or, uh, you know, the, the kind of hoity-toity checkbook liberals of Brentwood or the kind of crazy art homeless nutcases of Venice, California. We all feel it. Um, it you know, it's it's a real major deal because... Because it affects uh, the, you, right? Yes, and the fires don't... We all understand that the fires and, and the fires effect on people... Um, have a lot to do um, with issues that are not just climate change. They are exacerbated by climate change, and yet the the, the high cost of housing um, and the infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure, yes, all of that makes the quote expansion of livable suburbs move outward into areas that aren't really designed uh, to accommodate homes um, and and villages and towns. Uh, you know, there's been fires in California ever since California kind of came up from the uh, from the sea. Uh, but now with with the kind of extra spark that um, is a direct result of of the heating of the planet and the drying of the you know, of the kind of, of the brush, because again, remember in winter, we had record rains last year and we could have record rains this year as well. So everything turns that lush green things. I mean, you, you put a drop of water into the ground here and within days you have an explosion of plants and uh, explosion of, um, you know, of growth. And, and while we love it in winter, then comes the drawing period of summer. And, uh, you know, with that um, comes a spark which uh, is exacerbated by the failure of our, our, our power companies like PG&E to maintain or not bury or whatnot uh, our power lines. They spark and off you go. So it's a it's a very complicated uh, question um, uh, to resolve. You know, it, there's no direct um, answer. We all now have to face the fact of living with climate change rather than just uh, appreciating that it's happening. Uh, how are we going to do that? Um, it's a, a major question here in California. All right. I think it's a major question everywhere. And, and I think on balance, I mean, you know, of course, I guess, you know, the, the, the Guardian, although it is a global news distribution channel these days, is also, you know, has a, a British history. Um, you know, heat waves used to be celebrated in the press. And and all you would see, as Ema said about Ireland, all you would see is, is photographs of people enjoying themselves on the beach. I think, you know, uh, it, as long as it remains, uh, you know, uh, factual and balanced and not biased, I, I think, generally speaking, I'm very much in favour of uh, the uh, uh, of showing these stories. You know, uh, it's very easy uh, in the UK, which which has and yeah, we joke about it raining a lot, maybe not quite as much as we joke about it raining a lot in Ireland. But uh, the um, we 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 don't see, we don't see enough at the moment in the UK about 
climate change in the press and and the the, the downside of these things so i think um it, it's a good thing i think to, in on balance that we're we're getting to see these images and getting to see these stories because we don't live through this stuff like you do in california uh or, or that other people do elsewhere okay um Let's yeah let let's let's wrap this topic up. Um, everyone who's interested more in this kind of climate change talk, uh, go to curiouslypolar.com. That's uh, we have a lot of discussions about glaciers, volcanoes, and things over there. Um, here's the second story that recently popped up, and uh, uh, Monica, Monica actually my my better half. Um, found this and uh, brought it to me and said this is something you you should talk about on the future of photography and i agree um very interesting one so this is about cameras and about a placement of cameras and today i mean we have cameras everywhere right there's cameras in almost inside a baseball a basketball hoop there's cameras flying through the air uh, on little propellers there's cameras buried in the ground there's cameras um, wherever you want and cameras are tiny and cameras can be placed anywhere and everywhere and they will be um, so here's one placement of a camera that um, on first look might be interesting and it's about um track athletes and their starting blocks so when they start running they have these blocks that are there for them to 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 give them something to to push against for starting and uh, seiko the company who's i think known for timekeeping and watches and things uh, at races they have created a starting block with cameras inside and there has been a bit of a uh, a bit of an outrage controversy about those. Uh, controversy is a good way to say it um especially female athletes had a bit of a problem because the ca there's two cameras in the starting block there's one looking straight forward so when you run it will see you running away from the block and there's a second one looking straight up and if you are over a starting block it will pretty much look straight between your legs and that uh has caused a bit of an uproar. So what do you guys think of that? I I want to know why. Why do they need why? that camera? Why, why, why? That's, that's a question, Imar. I wanted to ask you that because in, in the article, it's uh, especially female athletes who have an issue with that. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with them. Why is my first question. And the other, like... To what end? You're already you're on a starting block. You're already under enough pressure. You want a camera in your face? No. Or or a camera looking even even if it's not looking between your legs, it's looking uh, yeah, up your nostrils. It's it's like this <laughs> the same perspective you get from a laptop yeah, camera when like, it's on your lap. It can see what you had for your breakfast. <laughs> yeah, look, it's awful. It's absolutely scandalous. I I don't blame them for getting annoyed about. I wonder. I wonder. What? What were the product meetings look looking like? First of all, were were there any women there? Is is this um, a new rule? No, I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it very much. Is this a new uh, uh, um, norm, or, it, or is it going to be I stopped think, or what? 
I, I think that was it'll a, be stopped. <laughs> I think it will be stopped because um, this is uh, yeah. I I just again I, I wonder what these meetings were looking like. Who who had the brilliant idea to say let's have a camera looking straight up? You can understand them, you know, when they sprint out of the block. That the creepy and voyeuristic it says here. That's perfect. <laughs> One of the things that surprises me in all of this is is uh, I, I think I understand that Seiko is a Japanese company. And and they they've had uh, uh, over the years um, to they they they've uh, created laws in Japan to ban uh, a type of photography called upskirting because it became a cultural problem, um, and and so it, it seems to me that that this this. It, it, how this happened is, is is kind of really weird because these sorts of things are pr- almost would be illegal in Japan, and so yeah, I mean the the, the meetings where these kind of products or or the, this particular des- design, whatever you call it, is uh, w- was was thought through and sanctioned. There must have been some really uh, really narrow minded people who didn't think this through. <laughs> I can't believe they did it on purpose because I know that it's illegal, right? It's actually a crime, uh, yeah, as I understand it. So I can't believe that that this was done on purpose with that in mind. Um, uh, for it, but but it it still is it, it it's a it, it's a terrible mis- mistake. Seems too weak a word for it, but I mean this should have been spotted. Seiko is a Japanese company, mm. which 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 adds to my my puzzlement about it also it says here now that they they actually um took the women's complaints into account and that the footage was censored well in doha they said that so but, hopefully. but what 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 i find interesting is that they, they said the iaaf which is what is that the iaaf international athletics something federation i think but yeah, i'm not so, entirely sure so so in the article it reads that the iaf has announced that it will begin censoring the cameras only broadcasting footage once the athletes are in position on the blocks and deleting all footage every 24 hours so it means they will still shoot no. the footage but they will not no. use it but oh, no. well, why shoot it why shoot it? You can understand a camera that sees someone shooting off the block. That's an interesting angle. Yeah, I get it. Um, but this up up the skirt business, yes, no. You could look down. <laughs> you could look no. down at their feet, couldn't you? You couldn't. You, you don't need to look up at their feet, <laughs> as it were. But I I just don't get. I I I think this is yeah. The, this is not not been thought through at all, has it? So the bigger yeah, question I think alluded by by Chris is. Even if you can shoot something in a bigger picture, should you? Do you? Mm, should you? Should yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the not. biggest question. And uh, even even if you if you don't if you say you're not shooting it, should that camera still be there? Because the way these starter blocks are are designed, they still have that camera looking up. And uh, at this point, all the athletes have are are assurances that that footage won't be used. So. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll just put a link in the show notes to that article. Uh, anyone else who thinks that is not appropriate, um, go look up the IAF and let them know what you think about it. I think that's how we should handle that. Mm. All right, let's uh, close the news, the news block, and go into our photography highlights. Uh, okay, let's start with Adrian this time. Let's start with Adrian. Okay, so uh, I, uh, I mine is a book 
this week uh, a book that actually i have to say I, I recently received as a gift from somebody from the people that made it um the the book is called obsolete and discontinued and, and there's a great story behind it so it's, it's a it's a coffee table photo book uh, and there's a great story behind it in that the the editor of, of the book some years ago um was given uh, a, a bunch of old photographic paper and didn't really know what to do with it because he already had loads of paper stacked in the corner of his darkroom anyway. Um, and so he started giving out to people and saying, you know, what can you do with this? Send it back, you know, do, do whatever you like and, and then send it back. And the book is a fantastic collaboration of, of a bunch of photographers who've all provided prints that they've done on this old paper, some of which worked reasonably freshly and some of it was was, was clearly you know way past its best um but it's a it's a really nice book that uh, as i say i i was sent recently um uh, i'm enjoying just flicking through it um uh, the, it's called obsolete uh, and discontinued the editor is mike crawford um and there's a, a link to their website in the show notes awesome it's very interesting stuff in there emar <laughs> okay um, I just need to remember the name of it now. I wrote it down here somewhere. Um, I, <clears throat> I found an app and it's called Fiuse. Now, this might be old. I don't know. But I thought it was very clever. So it kind of it uses spatial photography, which you would all know much more about than I. Um, but basically what it allows you to do is take a 360 type photo with your phone, with my crappy phone, which is even better. Um <laughs> And then afterwards, you can um, you can do all kinds of crazy graphic effects. And um, again, I've put a link to the, um, but it's quite animated. Like um, I, I don't know. I'm going to explore this a bit further. Um, I've only used it a couple of times. Um, oh, it seems I see to have a social element to it. Isn't it cool? Okay, okay, on the website, I can see it now. You have a photo and you pretty much you walk around a person, take multiple photos of that person or something. And then it's you have like this, it's, it's it's like an interactive 3D thing that's not like a 360 yeah. in the in a common sense, but it is a, a 360 of, yeah, someone or something. So it seems to, um, when it's processing, it does all these tiny little points and it's sort of like a little map and then... It appears in front of you. It's really, it's very much a lot of fun now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Now, I, totally I believe it's it around a while. <laughs> Isn't it good? Yeah. Uh, well, this, I'm, I'm, I'm downloading it right now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, don't wonderful. do that. You've got the worst Great internet fun. in the world at the moment. Don't download <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeremiah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, my pick is a photographer called Anwar Pajani. Um, I'll, I'll link to his, but his, he, uh, does extraordinary underwater fishmen photographs. Um, so there's both an, you know, um, humans and the natural world. And, uh, he works in black and white, which is unusual. And, uh, I remember hearing an interview with him. Um, I just find his work to be extraordinary, uh, amazing, and gives us uh, scope, feel, intensity, um, and lyricism of the best of nature photography and what we may be losing. 
it's really they're lovely, aren't they? Imagine if he could make a fayuse out of one of those. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks Missing for the, the point completely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my my uh, pick of the week is is only remotely related to photography. Um, it is NFC tags in combination with iPhone shortcuts. Okay, so go, go on. Bear with me. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, iOS 13 includes that new feature uh, called shortcuts and or has expanded on them. So a shortcut is just a little like a little program, some stuff your your phone or certain apps can do um, based on a little yeah, a little shortcut program that you put on there. It's a drag and drop kind of thing, and it's very nerdy, and most people don't even know about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I and I've, I'm using one actually, just the and one. And you can you can um, do things like stuff around your photos, get your last photos, sort photos, save something to photo album. Mm -hmm. But you can also do things like uh, add a note to a list or open up a specific app uh, based on a trigger, and the trigger can be you just starting that shortcut or it can be based on a timestamp or it can be based on the presence of an NFC tag. So an NFC tag is a little a little sticker that you put on anything you like and it's just it's it's pretty much what's in what's in products in the shop so you don't steal them, right? And when they run it mm -hmm. over this little magnet it kind of kills them. But um, what you have in your credit card is also an NFC tag. But you can buy NFC tags for just like a buck and place it somewhere and then put a little shortcut in your phone and then trigger that by by holding your phone next to that shortcut. So you could have uh, one of these NFC stickers on the bottom of your camera. And if you use your camera and you want to trigger something on your phone, you just hold your phone under your camera and it, st it starts a specific app or something. Um, mm. There are... A, this is so wide open that there's a gazillion different things that you could think of and come up in scenarios that you could imagine um, where you could use this, put a sticker on the lens and, um, I don't know, do an inventory of your camera back by going beep, 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 uh, one by one of the different lenses and then you have a spreadsheet. Then it creates piece by piece a spreadsheet that has all that information on it so you have an inventory. Um, I can see why you like this, Chris. <laughs> it is nerdy. It is wonderful. It helps you automate certain things. Um, I, I've, I've looked into these right, and I, I've struggled um, uh, and with other sort of internet based systems like IFTTT and stuff like that um, uh, then uh, I've struggled with finding the use cases but I'm really pleased to say I've actually found a use case for this which is that uh, which is which related to photography and if you're in the photos app um, it this little shortcut is just simply called open in snapseed yeah. um, so so those of us that uh, uh, you know do photo editing on phones or iPads or whatever um, you know often you're quite used to saying uh, seeing a, what they, what Apple call a share sheet where you can say open in and then it gives you a list of things mm. snapseed doesn't support that um, it doesn't provide an entry on your on on your little list there, um, but you can do that with a shortcut. I found, um, and I'm using Snapseed quite a lot at the moment. Actually, it's a it's a, a tool and a toy that I'm I'm playing with deliberately, and uh, it's uh, it, you you can use the shortcuts to add your favourite apps to 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 open photos in directly um, from the photos. And how app. do you get to those shortcuts? Okay. 
Uh, there's an app called Shortcuts, and it's on your on your iPhone. Uh, so you can do that. And the way that I use it, Jeremiah, is um, in the Photos app on your phone. Um, it, it's uh, you click the sharing icon, the square with the arrow. Yeah. I think I should take. I should test that. Hang on, I will pick up my phone and test that I've given you the right instructions there, because mm. that's yeah. Um, but but uh, any photo, you pick any photo on your phone, uh, and then you can say, uh, yeah, it's the yes, it's the the it is it's the little square with the upwards facing arrow, and then in the new operating system, you get some contacts you could send stuff to. Then you get the little old row of apps, but then if you scroll down, there's a whole list of stuff. And you can add things into there. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's 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 uh, it's only a small thing, but it it gives it brings me joy, and it's one of the first times I've ever found a use case for this kind of technology. <laughs> well, I, joy. That's cool. I have a whole bunch of NFC stickers all around the house for different automations that I just trigger by holding the phone next to them. So some of those got to be photographic. I'll just have to come up with the right use cases. <laughs> so the the theoretically, if I put a sticker on my dog and set an automatic camera, every time he walked by, it would shoot a picture Well, it's him? NFC. It's near-field communication, which means it has to be really close. So yeah. it can't huh. just walk past the door. It has to be <laughs> touching the doorway. Oh, I see. Like. Okay, well, mm. can adjust. Um a question has anybody tried photoshop for their ipad not yet not yet no i have been exploring and we could talk about that another time oh we should do we should we should do some we should talk about that actually and well I, I, adobe has had quite some uh, quite a bunch of announcements so maybe that warrants yeah. its own its own episode yeah yes, all right it's good yeah. to, as I, it's good to see adobe catching up finally with serif <laughs> <laughs> Finally, <laughs> slowly but but surely, but Sarif is already a step ahead in some areas. <laughs> okay, um, that was it for this episode of the Future Photography. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you listen to this episode on on the website, then. Uh, maybe consider subscribing. You can find the Future Photography every uh, at every place where you find your other podcasts and. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, bringing you more. You can contact us on the website, thefutureofphotography.com. You'll find us on Twitter. We're TFOP now there, TFOP now. And uh, yeah, check us out and uh, make sure you give the other episodes a listen as well. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. All. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Future of Photography.